Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Encore. I'm your host, Tony Franchetti. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by One License. With access to over 300 member publishers and their divisions and a catalog of more than 125,000 songs, One License makes licensing easy. Their comprehensive licenses allow communities to reprint or project music for the congregation, to post services online containing covered music, and to copy practice tracks for rehearsal purposes. Visit www.onelicense.net today for more information on how One License can provide solutions for connecting with your communities during this season and beyond. One License, inspiring congregational song. And with that, I'm excited to welcome on today's guest. She is the general manager of One License, Brenna C. Cronin. Brenna, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with me today. Super glad that I'm able to have you on and for our listeners to learn a little bit more about One License. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm great, Tony. Thanks so much for having me. How are you? Of course. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, I've had you on my list as potential guests for a while, and I'm super excited, you know, we get the chance to connect. I think this will be great. So uh, we'll start with just the first kind of a general kind of get to know you better question uh, for some of our listeners. I'm, I'm sure some are already familiar with you, you know, from your one license webinars and your presence at MPM. But can you just tell us a little bit about your roots and your upbringing, kind of how you ended up at one license? Sure. I'm a lifelong Chicagoan, except for my time in Michigan for undergrad. I studied arts management and had a lot of great mentors guide me and got to really explore the different parts of arts administration. So whether that was managing physical arts buildings or donors, operations, marketing, house management, I have a heart for social justice. And for a long time, I thought I was going to go into philanthropy and education justice work professionally, actually. Um, But that stayed a solid passion project for me instead. There are so many forks in the road in life, as I think we all know, mm-hmm. uh, and it's amazing how one different decision would have led me in uh, in a direction of something else. Um, but I've been with One License since 2016 and was brought on for the express reason to launch and transition OneLicense.net into the One License that we know that it is today. I spent some time after undergrad studying change management and lean strategies, and those were incredibly important. Um, to help us make that launch on January 1st of 2017 possible. It feels like ages ago, (laughs) you know, we've lived an entire pandemic life since then. Um, But, uh, you know, at the same time, um, it's still very much, um, you know, a goal and a practice of ours to continue all that good work that we started then. So um, I was very lucky to have time in 2018 and 2019 to pursue my master's from Northwestern University in leadership for creative enterprises. So essentially the arts management equivalent with the business school. I graduated in August of 2019 and six months later, we found <laughs> ourselves in a global pandemic. Sure uh, did. So it has been a wild ride. Wow. So you attended a big 10 university for your you know, graduate studies while running a company and not just running a company, but making this new launch, you know, this big transition that had to be, uh, as you said, a wild ride, a, a wild time <laughs> in, in your life for sure. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm a little bit of an achiever, I guess. Um, I suppose um, I should get some more sleep. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, uh, you know, objects in motion tend to stay in motion kind of a person. And um, we had a lot of encouragement and investment and creative ideas and just lots of things that were moving. Um, so we wanted to keep the ball, the ball rolling. Um, I had always had this goal of mine to be in graduate school by the time I was 28. 
Um, it happened uh, a little bit after that, which is okay. Again, different paths in life. Um, but I was incredibly grateful that I was able to do both of those at the same time. And, uh, you know, go Wildcats. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Without question. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Very cool. Yeah. Kudos to you for, for sticking with that. That's uh, very uh, a hell of an accomplishment for sure. Um, we hope that uh, the Wildcat football team kind of gets their act together uh, going on. Next <laughs> but that's a, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> so one license has experienced, you know, tremendous growth since you became GM in 2016. So uh, can you just tell us a little bit about the, you know, the new member publishers that you guys have taken on and of course the different countries that uh, one license has launched in? Yeah, so the pandemic brought streaming worship services to a whole new level. We, I think everybody knows that. We previously had a small number of license holders who were posting their services online, maybe let's say 10% of our users. And for a lot of them, that was just a capacity issue of who was going to take on that role. So right. um, it was a matter of, you know, is that the music director's job? Is that the director of liturgy's job? Do you even have staff members in those roles to be able to do that? Right. And of course, there's all kinds of folks that were saying, you know, that's just not a thing that we're going to do for any number of reasons. Um, so once folks weren't able to worship in person, the Internet became their primary way of staying connected to their congregation. So you have that happening at the same exact time that many of our member publishers are navigating these direct permissions for streamed work. And a lot of them needed support to manage that. Hmm. Tens of thousands, tens of thousands of new titles were <laughs> added to the database. Um, and it became a lot easier for license holders to manage all of their creative projects. I mean, you had stream services, virtual choirs, Zoom services, everything. It's It's just, it was so much. And I think all of us were trying to navigate our own, you know, personal, you know, feelings about the pandemic and safety and all of these things at the same time. I mean, so when you look at our, our music directors, when you look at our team, when you look at everyone who had to rise to that occasion, right. especially under such significant stress and all these months of unpredictability, I mean, I just could not be more proud, really and truly. I mean, we have license holders all over the world. Um, and theoretically, I mean, we we have for a long time. I mean, even before the merger, there were folks um, that were in in Canada and Australia and New Zealand. Um, but with the, the launch of the website, we were able to reach more folks in the UK, Ireland and Europe. Mm -hmm. So really, I mean, the entire English speaking world has access to our website. It's just a matter of whether um, we serve your specific currency or not, but we have ways yeah. of navigating that if we don't. Um, and I'll, I'll say that we have a very exciting project uh, that launched this morning. Oh, wow. Uh, Look at that. Six exclusive, hours yeah. ago. <laughs> exclusive. Yeah. Uh, so I'll tease it now, but um, I'll mention it uh, more in depth later in our conversation. Okay. Excellent. Oh, that sounds great. And just seeing, you know, the the different countries you mentioned, Australia, New Zealand, UK, Ireland. Uh, it's just super, super exciting to see anytime you get, you know, growth like that. That's, that's awesome. Next question, I would imagine, and of course, hope that uh, our listeners, you know, know the importance of reporting the music that they use uh, each week. So if you could just kind of explain it a little bit from one license perspective, you know, that importance of reporting your music. Yeah, see, Tony, that's the heart of this entire conversation. Uh, and a big reason, I mean, like, well, guess whatever, like, let's talk about copyright law, right? So it's a big reason why my social justice leaning self um, finds so much meaning in this work. So the primary purpose of one license is to make securing copyright permissions easier. 
So our churches, schools, and other religious organizations can have the process of creating beautiful dynamic worship just one step easier. Mm -hmm. Um, Who needs one more thing to do in their day, right? When really and truly, we're just here to make it easier for you. But that being said, there's a give and take in that because then it's up to that organization to report the works that they use. So then we can distribute accurate royalties. Right. So if you think of a streaming service like Netflix, they don't allow access to their content without a subscription, same as us, right? Like you need to have a license, but they know exactly what you're watching. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little, you know, it's kind of creepy, I guess, to think about, but like they, they know what you're clicking on, right? Exactly. So then yeah. that way they can pay out those royalties correctly. And with our service, there's a level of trust since we don't know what our license holders are using in their worship services. So if someone is using a piece of music from our service without telling us, that's an improper use of the license. Mm-hmm. The terms require 100% reporting because the livelihood of our composers, authors, and artists depends on it. I'm really, really serious about this piece of it. Music is the great work of their lives, and I take the responsibility to steward that really seriously. When you report a work that turns into real, tangible royalties i can't overstate that enough absolutely this is you know all the more important we live in you know a more digital age that's becoming more digital by the the months and years as we move on but uh you put it perfectly there reporting 100 percent because the livelihood of you know those artists composers authors money that's taken out of their Their bread and butter right exactly exactly so they're doing what they're doing giving us you know the great gift of of music so that's the least we can do uh, is uh you know report that accurately and make sure that they're compensated as uh how they should be for that so uh, thank you for uh kind of explaining that you know better than than i would be able to for sure So, uh, you know, as you guys have uh, grown throughout the years, so too has the one licensed staff. I know you guys got an excellent team behind you guys. So can you just tell us a little bit about that great team? Yeah, I mean, I could spend this entire podcast talking about this team. I have the greatest team you could ever work with. We have folks that provide incredible structural support, like our IT specialists, accounting team, and our executive team, as well as our customer facing team that you're actually talking to on the phone and emailing with. Um, And those customer service folks are all over the world. Our member publishers are also incredibly important stakeholders, as well as our different partnerships. It's very, very much a group effort. So I want to make that really clear. It is a group effort. I am incredibly grateful to have such a strong and a dedicated team. I mean, these are folks who are former music directors or former educators or maybe still are in their personal lives. And to have people that are so dedicated to this cause of copyright education is just a really, really incredible thing to be a part of. And we have just accomplished so much together. And I would be a bad achiever if I didn't say there's so much more to come because there is. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, definitely, of course. So you touched on this a little bit briefly earlier. Um, I know you mentioned, of course, you know, customers were very excited and grateful to receive, you know, the gratis licenses uh, when the pandemic first um, hit, I guess. But, you know, overall, what would you say, you know, the kind of effect that the pandemic had on one license? Yeah, it's a big question because there's a personal answer, I think, of how we all navigated it as individuals. And then there's this collective answer mm-hmm. of navigating um, the service through a really dark and hard time. Um, 
And you're asking me, so I'm going to answer for myself, even though my instinct is to be humble about it and say, you know, it was difficult for everybody. It was hard for publishers. It was, it, it was hard for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I mean, where I would start is the, the thing that always stands out to me the most is, is I remember like it's, it's tangible in my mind. I can visualize the whole thing. I remember sitting in my office at seven 30 at night on Friday, March 13th, Friday the 13th. We'll never forget oh, it. Of course. Um, fitting. I know it was the day that the lockdown started in Chicago, uh, where our office is based. And I remember just trying to take a deep breath. We had announced that we would be offering our service gratis for six weeks to help our organizations get through the rest of Lent and into Triduum and Easter. And I, I think at the time, we couldn't believe the thousands of people that would be reaching out to us that week and in the months to come. Mm-hmm. Um, I used the net word navigate earlier, and I, I really mean that. I mean, there were new things that were coming up every day. Virtual choirs is such a good example of this because it's truly a pandemic era response. You know, can you imagine explaining what a virtual choir is to someone in the past or in the, in the future, you know? <laughs> right. Um, so we go back to our member publishers. We go back to our contracts. We go back to copyright law and we ask the hard questions so that way our customers don't have to. So by the time they come to us, they have an answer and they have a confident answer. Um, and we're able to help them navigate um, that creative thing that they want to do. So, I mean, this happens all the time. Folks come to us with an idea. We we check in with our own terms. We check in with our publishers. We check in with our contracts. We sort of like help them navigate through that process if it isn't a super, you know, black and white answer. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I would say too that our our member publishers were looking for ways to support churches and schools in that season too. So to have their support and th- I mean their immediate support. I mean the the email went out and. 48 hours later, we had responses back from publishers saying, you know, thank you for doing something because we just don't know what to do. So I think it was an incredible sign of goodwill of all of these different um, stakeholders coming together and saying, we need to do something and this is how we're going to do it. And we're just going to take it one, one day at a time and one step at a time. So, I mean, as we all know, out of times of great stress can come big achievements. Uh, so in April of 2020, I, you know, six weeks later, uh, we, <laughs> we launched the limited podcast streaming license. Um, our team's ability to be able to launch that license in such a short time is, it like still baffles me, like two and Definitely. a half years later to, to think about how we were able to do that so quickly. Mm-hmm. The launch of that license came from churches who only needed permissions to post their services and not to distribute reprinted material or text. So to be able to offer that to them, that kind of like point and shoot option um, and post their services online to stay connected with their congregations with the support of our member publishers was just such an incredible thing to be able to to witness. So I'm I'm so proud of our team. I'm so proud of of the way everybody kind of came together to make it happen. Um, and now today, I mean, it's still a really really popular license choice that that folks go with, um, especially if they only need those permissions to post online and not reprint permissions. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's cool to mention that you know, obviously, all the majority vast majority of companies across any industries, you know, had to really. I guess, change and adapt, you know, when that all happened. And it's, it's, it's just great to hear that you guys were able to do that, you know, so quickly, efficiently. And, and um, obviously 
successfully because, uh, you know, look what, what it's done for you guys. So it's, it's cool to hear, you know, every once in a while you get a little kind of pandemic success story, I guess, you know, that, mm. uh, to hear. So that's, that's awesome. What are a couple of things other than, you know, the great growth that you guys have had as a company that you're extremely proud of during your tenure as GM at one license? <sighs> what a good question. I think that those who know me well know me to be a really high achieving person. And perhaps, I mean that in all sincerity, but like perhaps sometimes to my own detriment, because we have this Christian value of humility, right? Mm -hmm. This Christian value of not boasting. So for me, it's all about teamwork, really and truly. I firmly believe that if you have the right people around you and that you can help them develop their own personal skills and talents that a team can really soar. So it's both of those things, right? You have to have the right people and you have to have an investment into their own personal strength. Right. So that looks a lot like allowing people to take on their own projects that they're interested in instead of having this theme of busy work. It can also look like sitting with customer survey data or like folder feedback and, and really discerning it and taking it to heart and seeing how we can improve the service. Sometimes it's just a small tweak here or there that really improves the website and makes everybody's lives easier. I mean, on the one license team, we have a, a value of servant leadership. That's like value number one. So when you come in the door, you have to have a lot of humility. There's a lot to learn. There's not only like the functionality of how everything works, but then there's also this big kind of sometimes scary world of copyright that's there in there too. Mm -hmm. um, so if you, if you have a servant leadership mindset, and for those who might not be aware, it's the idea of picking up the broom first, right? So yeah. no job is above or, or beneath anyone. And you allow folks to really do the work that their skill set is intended for, then everybody just succeeds. They, I mean, they, goodness gracious, they really do. And they certainly, they certainly have on our team too. I mean, our service wouldn't be what it is without the support and commitment from our member publishers. I know I've mentioned that, but it's just so, so, so important for them to give the credit um, where it's due. And I think it's important to highlight that our, our partnerships with them are so paramount. And some of our biggest successes have come from helping them with their catalog data or um, improving their permissions transparency. That was a big one that we've been working on this past year. Um, and then, you know, we sometimes get out of the way and let them shine. So that's really what we're here for. Yeah, Tony, it's been uh, not to get choked up about it, but <laughs> it's been one of the greatest honors of my life to help build this platform and to steward this process. So I'm incredibly proud of it. Yeah, no, that's great. And just to hear your, you know, your passion about it is, is too, you know, rings, rings volumes for sure. This is kind of a tough question, uh, a little bit broad, I guess, but in thinking about the next few years, what is your vision kind of for the future of One License? Another great question. Tony, have you ever thought about hosting a podcast? Uh, just one of the many hats I wear for, for GIA. <laughs> you should be a podcast host, Tony. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's was uh, always kind of something I was interested in. You know, I listened to a lot of podcasts during the day working. So it, it was back in, let's see, that was February uh, 2021 that I that I launched this podcast. So, yeah. That's awesome. Been, yeah. 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 And That's didn't, awesome. Didn't, didn't, didn't know we'd be, you know, already, this is, you're my 24th episode. So, definitely it's been cool <laughs> it's been 24th fun. episode yeah 24 i remember do you ever watch a tv show 24 with keeper sutherland so i used to watch it like right when it first came out like the first yeah. like season or two and then i just feel like it started getting <laughs> crazy it, <laughs> like, it did. 
<laughs> my family, my family loved that show. We watch it all the time, but you're right. It started to get a little like, <laughs> like all shows, I guess, you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> they ran the course with their storyline and then there wasn't much left else to do with it. Oh gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. So I mean, vision, right? Wow. Vision. So I would say our mission is to serve the church, right? That's where we come from. Right. Our mission is to serve the church. Mm-hmm. And that looks a lot like making our music directors' lives easier. Another piece of this that I take really seriously. I mean, when you look at um, turnover in churches, when you look at budget constraints, when you look at time constraints, I mean, if I can do anything to make their lives one step easier, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. So that looks a lot of different ways. It looks like adding diversity to our song catalog. It means that whatever your worship style, if it leans traditional and liturgical or maybe contemporary and praise and worship, that we have content that's going to be a good fit for you. Um, at the time of this recording, we have over 206,000 titles, 206 from over 300 different member publishers. Wow. And there's subcatalogs and imprints. So it's a staggering amount of content. And there's diversity in that content, right? So, I mean, we want to be able to serve the global church. So whatever decisions you're making on a local level about the pieces that you're using, we want to be able to, to support that mission. I guess I should talk about this top secret project that I mentioned <laughs> earlier. Uh, so it's just ironic um, that today, Tony, is the day that we're that we're talking um, yeah. because uh, it all it all came together today, uh, believe it or not. Um, but this morning, this launched, and we've been working on it for the last year. And I don't know, drum roll, please. Our website is officially launching in the Spanish language. Wow. Very cool. We, that's a yeah. Big, yeah, that's a big deal. Definitely. It's huge. I mean, we've been looking forward to this for so long. And there is an incredible team of translators, project managers, and IT specialists that are leading the way on this. So to be able to offer our website and our blog and all of our helpful instructions material and our tutorials and our education pieces all in Spanish is a true investment in the church. And it says that we are here and we are here to guide and we're here to make your worship, your music, your liturgy that much more inclusive. So back to what I said at the beginning, our mission is to serve the church, right? And that's exactly what we're doing with it. And I'm incredibly proud and incredibly excited. Yeah, very cool. That's so cool to be kind of, uh, you know, talking to you during these infancy stages of it too that's that's exciting very cool who would have yeah. known that the day we date we settled on would would be the launch of that yeah so we'll get you a two kind of casual questions and then we'll send you on your way i thank you again for you know taking taking your time out of your schedule we appreciate it so this sure. one i always enjoy asking this question especially when i have musicians on just seeing you know the different <laughs> styles and things like that but uh what's on your current spotify or apple music <laughs> whatever music app you use playlist. Yeah, I'm team Spotify for sure. So for sure. My musical taste is super eclectic and it definitely depends on my day or mood, but I'm constant repeat, no questions asked all the time. Brandy Carlisle, Johnny Swim, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, Time, Lizzo, Betty Who. Um, I love me some 80s women rockers. I listen to Tom Petty while I do the dishes. And it's always, always Eric Church on Friday afternoons, keeping you connected to the weekend. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's all over the place. Is Petty exclusively for 
dishes or could it be other household chores as well? <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> that's hysterical. Oh man. Um, it actually, believe it or not, started during the pandemic. Um, and I called it Tom Petty lunch hour. Um, because I, I, I was notorious for never taking a lunch break. And I told myself that like, if I just, if I just go to my kitchen and I tell my, my robot to turn on Tom Petty radio, it'll just like get me like into a different headspace and I'll be able to think more creatively and I'll be able to sort of like take a mental break. Right. Um, and then eat lunch and, and get back at it. So I was always a fan of Tom Petty. I listened to Tom Petty when I was a kid. Um, but now this idea of like, I just turn them on and I just do stuff, yeah. you know, dishes, open mail, vacuum, whatever, you know, we've all got stuff to do. So why be doom and gloom or bah humbug about it? If you don't have to be turn on Tom Petty, the next yeah. time you're washing the dishes and will make the dishes a lot more fun. Turn on some Tom Petty and make sure you don't free fall through your lunch break. Right. <laughs> hey, I'm a dad now. Just I'm allowed to, be to make really dead, clear, dead jokes. Tom Petty's music is not covered <laughs> under the one license service. <laughs> of course. Definitely. That's great. All right. Last one, and then we'll get you out. What are some ways you like to spend the little free time that you have? Ooh, besides Tom Petty. <laughs> so my I would say my values are deeply rooted in hospitality. And I'm somebody who like profoundly believes in the power of a good charcuterie board. So you can always find me hosting, uh, throwing something together. There's some sort of cheese in my fridge that I can make a little board with. Um, But I'm also a yoga instructor and I play on a couple of recreational sports teams. Um, I actually play kickball and dodgeball and volleyball. Oh, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, it is. Um, So I keep myself busy and, you know, I get a I think we all need some sort of like physical outlet. Um. Definitely. you know, to, to deal with the day to day. So, uh, yeah, fun, fun facts about me for sure. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. It's good. Good thank to, you. you know, see you and talk with you for a little bit too. You too, All Tony. Right. Talk to you soon. Yeah. I'll be in touch. Take care, Brenda. Okay. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the interview with Brenna C. Cronin, general manager of one license. Again, be sure to visit OneLicense at www.onelicense.net. And if you have any questions, you can contact him via phone at 800-1-1501. That's 800-O-N-E-1501. Or by email at info at onelicense.net. Thank you for tuning in to episode 24 of Encore. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode featuring composer and artist John Angotti. As always, stay tuned to GIA's social media channels and soundboard.gimusic.com. Until next time, take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.